How's it going, everyone? This is Dr. Chris Van Teel here with the Odyssey Performance Podcast. I am your host and owner of Odyssey Performance. And today I am with a very special guest, Kevin Fickus. I believe I pronounced that correctly, who is the head coach at a women's program very close at a college. So I'll let him tell you more about that. I don't want to ruin the surprise. So how are you doing, Kevin? I'm good. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, of course. So let's start very easy. Tell us more about you and your program and everything of that nature. Okay. Um, well, I am uh, I'm a, a head coach at Colorado School of Mines uh, in Golden, Colorado, which is a um, – a STEM school. Uh, so math and science you can do, you have two choices at uh, mines or maybe four, science and math or math and science. And, um, you know, uh, it is a very, um, very highly ranked, uh, uh, you know, STEM school, um, you know, usually ranked in the top five for uh, return on investment uh, in money market and U S magazine and, and, uh, magazines of that nature. So very, uh, high level math and science students, uh, come to minds. They are my nerds <laughs> and, uh, and I love working with them. I feel very fortunate to, uh, to be working in training, especially at this time. That's awesome. And so minds is not one of, like you said, it's either math and science or science and math, um, kind of dealer's choice there, but, as far as athletics go, it's much smaller than a lot of the other programs in the nation and even in the state. So how does a soccer program, women's soccer program, nonetheless, manage in a smaller school and with a, with a group of programs that are growing exponentially around the country but are still kind of underserved? Hmm. Um. Well, oh, there goes my umbrella. You're going to have to edit that out. Can you still see me? <laughs> yeah, hey, we're good. I'm just going to move real quick. But, um, well, you know, it, it's really – so we're a Division II program, which just means that, you know, in the NCAA, which just means that we, we're allowed less scholarships. Okay. Um, in, in Division II, Division I allows 14-10 in women's soccer mines funds about six for us. Um, and, um, you know, so we manage by spreading those scholarship dollars out, but also bringing in, um, you know, almost, I would say 98% of my players, 95% of my players, uh, have academic merit money. So they're also getting athletic scholarship and then I can stack academic, uh, sorry, uh, scholarship on top of that. So okay. that's how we manage in terms of bringing in players. Usually, I mean, because it is such a high level and such a, a popular school for the subjects that we offer, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and, and so highly regarded. I mean, the line of players is is actually pretty long. It's just you know compared to other schools who who, could, who offer more programs, offer liberal liberal arts, and offer all kinds of other degrees. Um, our window for players is much much smaller yeah so but at the same time it's not you know at first it was hard to get players in the door but now that the program is established and we're moving along uh it's easy to show what a good all-round deal it is to to be a student athlete at colorado school of mines yeah so tell me more 
Yeah. So can you tell me more about your program specifically and a bit, kind of a little history on the program and your history with it? Yeah. So yeah, it started in, I was the, the men's volunteer assistant and then I moved into a part-time position and uh, you know, starting in 98 and in 2005 uh, when, when mines was making very direct efforts at trying to bring in more diversity and, you know, uh, and especially females, because we were really young women. We were, we were really uh, extremely uh, male as a campus. And um, so they thought they would, they would add some sports. And um, uh, so they decided to add women's soccer. And um, that meant that uh, the then head coach of, of men's soccer, uh, you know, who was excited to have women uh, on, this was Frank Kohlenstein, he, he, um, he and I recruited the first year of the program. Uh, while we were recruiting, so we started in recruiting probably in October or November of '04 for a fall team of '05, and wow. that's incredibly difficult. Yeah, because unlike young men who would be like, "Yeah, I want to be the first guy <laughs> ever in the history of the program to commit," girls were like, young women were like, "Well, do you have anyone yet?" And I started <laughs> saying to him, "I said, well." If you would say yes, I could answer yes to the next person who asked me that question. But so it was a little difficult, but, you know, we, we, we grabbed, uh, you know, we looked at the, the club team, which was on campus, which uh, we, took, we took half of those kids. We had 11 or 12 of them, and many of them turned out to be really, really hard workers and, and really pioneers of the program, and, and we owe them a lot. You know, we owe them thanks. So if you're out there listening and you're one of those uh, – you're one of those girls. Uh, thanks so much. And, um, you know, and then a combination and, you know, there's still a really quite a good, our, our, our women's club program and men's club soccer at mines are, are good. Uh, but, uh, and, and well attended, you know, but, um, but that's how we started it, you know, and, um, and we, we, we slowly just built things over the years and, you know, it was a lot easier to, to bring kids in when we actually had people on campus who could host them and, and kind of tell them about the school and just over time it, it, it snowballed and, and really we definitely have to turn people away uh, at this point, which, um, you know, I mean, it's a good problem. Yeah. You know, if we're talking, if we're going to consider us a small business, um, it's a good problem. Yeah. That's great. So yeah. have you, how long have you been the head coach? Since 2010, the fall of 2010. Okay. This, uh, I mean, I, I guess technically I'm in my 20 season right now, although we don't have a season. Um, but uh, yeah, wow, dating myself there. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's it's a good way to do it, though. I mean, considering you're you are you've been with the program since the very beginning, so it's very cool. A yeah. lot of programs don't yeah. get to say that and don't get to hear the root story anymore. It's been yeah. kind of watered down as it's gone through the years, but. There's this, you're still holding on to kind of those initial ideals that you built the program on, which is very cool to see. Uh, so yeah. can you speak a little bit on like the growth of women's soccer just in general with the national team popularity and everything they're doing and how that's affected what right. you've seen the girls coming through your program look like as far as yeah. drive and inspiration that, okay, this is, this isn't just a hobby. This is, this is a true athletic thing like anybody else, which um, is playing in either major sports right. or whatever it may be. 
that's an interesting um, question actually, because really in the beginning, we really got kids who wanted to be engineers first mm -hmm. and, um, and, and soccer was going to be, as you put it, to use your word, a, a hobby, you know, um, just kind of on the side. And, yeah. and then when they realized, realized how badly the coaching staff wanted to win, they were like, hmm, maybe this isn't the greatest hobby to have, but that's <laughs> part of the way we built it. But, you know, when I came out here in 98, I was astounded at the amount of good uh, youth female soccer players uh, and, and soccer players in general. Colorado is a good soccer state. There are a lot yeah. of good players here in particular on the women's side. There are, um, there's just a lot, a lot of good players and there's a lot of girls playing the sport. So I think, you know, that was one of the things that really surprised me about Colorado. And in the meantime, it's grown all over the country. My, my state, my high school state, North Carolina growing up, we were kind of like one of the first generations of, of, soccer players that were good but also there were many of us and it just and, and now i think north carolina is very similar in stature especially on the girls side to um to colorado uh soccer uh but um yeah the the, the growth of the women's national team I, I have a good story there this was years ago this was maybe my fourth year as coach um the u.s women's national team um, came into town to, to train at altitude. And um, I knew one of the, the soccer federations, I knew the, the technical director who lived in this area. She actually uh, still does. She's over in Arvada, actually. And she, um, I called her and I said, it, it started snowing. I said, look, so you guys might struggle for fields. I said, they might not want to plow their fields at Dick's and uh, the turf fields over there at the time were poor anyway. They were very hard. And yeah. I said, we've got a great turf field. I said, if people won't plow for you, I said, I, I, we will get it plowed today. And so the women's national team, they came here and trained. Oh, wow. uh, because the, the, other, the other places that they were involved with, won't name names, wouldn't plow. So I asked my AD at the time, I said, hey, man, I can get the national team here to train. He goes, what? He goes, plow the field. And uh, so we plowed the field. And um, I told the girls on the team, I asked if I could announce it, uh, that the team was coming and um, uh, to train. And they asked me not to, so I didn't. We still had close to 200 people there. Somehow it got out. <laughs> I, I probably could have had two or 3,000 people there. Wow. And at any rate, so my girls all came out. They train around four, four thirty, and they came out, and it was just—it was one of those Colorado days. We had there were snow flurries, and then that stopped, and it got windy, and then that that stopped, and then we had snow pellets, and then just as the sun was going down over the mountains, we you know we threw the lights on, but uh, the sun came out, and it was a beautiful, clear Colorado evening, and um, it was just. Uh, it was just amazing. We got to watch them train. We got to watch them scrimmage. And as the national team players were getting off the bus, you know, you, I mean, uh, Abby Wambach was there, you know, and, uh, you know, all of Alex Morgan on the bus. And they, when they stepped off the bus, they were using their phones and they were filming. They were like, like what? We get to train here. And I just felt so uh -huh. proud and, and yeah. so fortunate to have them on campus and that they appreciated being there. And um, the girls were just all of my players were there and many of them who were this, this was a group of girls who in 2014 went to the final four. They will still tell you their favorite day 
was that day. So that, that tells you a lot about the growth uh, of, of, of women's soccer, I think, and, and then the appreciation yeah. top to bottom that, that, you know, that, that players have for that national team. And um, it was great. The national team players hung out afterwards and they were signing autographs. In fact, the media guy tried to get um, one of the, one of the players to, uh, to get on the bus. And um, it's why she's one of my uh, uh, favorite players. I, I can't, the, the, uh, a big star right now, Rapino. So Rapino, yeah. uh, he says, Hey Megan, you got to get on the bus. And she gives him the meanest look that I've ever seen a human being give another. And he <laughs> just steps away. And uh, if you're married to a woman, you know, you know, that look, and she gave it to him. But anyway, um, so I was just really appreciative of, of them hanging out longer than they were supposed to, talking to my players. Yeah. And it, it was just great. It was just a great day. And it really says a lot of just about the regard in which we hold the national team and how popular they are now. And, yeah. you know, the next step, hopefully, is to make the Women's Professional League uh, more and more viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully they can grow the way that, that MLS has. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. You know, on no now did any of your do your girls train differently afterwards after so they got to watch the, but i tend to do that now. no that's fine did, did your girls train differently after they watched the um, national team were they more fired up definitely more fired up and in general i think they kind of took a look at themselves in terms of their fitness levels um because you know obviously as a soccer coach that's something i harp on but looking at them they were like, oh, my God, they're just so much fitter than we are. And I, was, and I was like, well, you know, girls, to be fair, they're not in class seven, eight hours a day. Yeah. This is what they do. I said their class is hitting the weights with specialists. And I said with people far smarter than I am in terms of, of fitness. I said, so, you know, they have that. They have that going for them. But I, I, I do think that it inspired a lot of them on, the, on that side of the ball for sure. Yeah. Ooh. And to be fair to my kids, they're, they're good trainers. It's just finding the time. Yeah. So I can't complain about them there. But, yeah, they, they definitely uh, were, were very, very inspired. You know, and to this day, the, the way they follow the national team, I'll still get texts from, from some of those kids when the national team is playing. They'll be like, hey, did you see that goal? You know, and this is like three, four years later. I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm working right now. But, yeah. <laughs> That's, so, that's really cool. I mean, that's such a rare experience. Um, it's really cool that you guys got to be a big part of that yeah. for sure. Um, so speaking kind of on the fitness side of things, I know that you'd already kind of touched on that there's no season this year for you guys. Um, right. So is fitness one of the big things you're concerned with coming in the next year, or is it just play in general? What are some of the biggest concerns with not being able to have a season? Well, you know, the thing with college players in general, uh, everything being normal, you can't really do anything with your players in the summer. Okay. Uh, we're not, you know, you can have them work with a strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. Most, most of my players, especially upperclassmen, get internships. And we, we don't, you know, most of them get jobs from that. So that's something that we encourage. And, and most of them are making really good pay during that time, during the yeah. summer. So we have to rely on them to be self-motivated and take care of themselves. They do have a summer program that is designed for players who are going to be literally in the middle of nowhere and have only themselves to train with because some of these internships, yeah, they're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and uh, so no one to train with and all that. But um, so we, we kind of have to rely on them anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But from a, 
fitness perspective, one of the things that I told them this fall was, you know what, one advantage right now, without having games, not having games, we don't need to be quite as concerned about pushing too hard here and there. You know, if you feel fatigue, you talk to me, you get a day off, we'll give you some time off to go see the trainer, we'll make sure that we're safe about it. I said, but right now, you could kind of really push and and see what you're, you know, what, how, how truly fit that looks like for you, what truly fit looks like for you without the pressure of games. Although the other catch 20, the catch 22 there is you're never as fit as when you're playing games, especially as a player who's getting, you know, 45 plus minutes a game, you know, cause right. match fit is a different animal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but still, you know, being able to explore some other avenues, um, you know, trying a stationary bike, maybe, maybe, you know, to, to, to reduce the pounding on your body. So we're trying to, we're trying to, to figure out a bunch of different ways. One of the things I do with them, uh, you know, on Mondays, uh, we go two Mondays in a row and then they get a Monday off and I, I call it organic fitness. And all I'm doing is showing them different trails that I enjoy running on around the area that, yeah. you know, they can go and get on. And, you know, they usually are anywhere from 12 to 15 minute runs. You know, they're not yeah. super long, but obviously there's some altitude gain <laughs> and uh, rapid altitude gain. But, you know, just to kind of show them some different, uh, some different things they can do and that it doesn't have to be long, especially for people like them who are constantly planning things, yeah. you know, when they constantly have something going on, you know, a 12 to 20 minute, shot of fitness might be all they can manage on a day. So um, just trying to show them uh, some of those things. And, and, and also uh, maybe even more importantly, Chris, you know, to show, cause I don't know how much many of them at mines, uh, and this is for all students, not just my own uh, student athletes, but I don't know how much they enjoy their surroundings. So if I can get them out on some of the local trails, they can go, Oh, Oh, this is here. I can do this. This is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm going to get out there more and I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to make the mind student athlete experience better. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, but, uh, you know, but bottom line is soccer's, you got to be fit. I mean, the yeah. field's 120, our field is 120 long, 74 yards wide. It is the easiest thing you can do to be a contributor. Work on your yeah. fitness, work on your technical ability. You don't need me for that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. I, a, a lot of people get so caught up in everything of life. I mean, you, you have student athletes that, like you said, they're, they're not at a school that sport or athletics is everything. And the athlete just kind of, kind of skate by. They're at a very, very tough school that they have to work for their degree. Um, it's a very, very challenging degree. Everybody in Colorado knows how hard school of minds is for the degree system um so it's when they do have time a lot of students and athletes say okay i need to focus my fitness on soccer because this is all i have time for but that cross training of going out and realizing hey guys like even if you only have 15 20 minutes like you said there's everything's in your backyard here and there's and every time you go up that mountain it's going to help you on the field in a way that and it give you an advantage that other players in other states don't have when they live on flat ground. Oh, they have 30 minutes to go on a jog. Well, that's very different than 10 minutes trying to go uphill at altitude. Right. But, it's true. It's true. You can, there's more bang for your buck there. Yeah. 
So you just don't take everyone down to the incline every Monday and be like, oh, this is my favorite trail down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I try to mix it up. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of good opportunities. Um, yeah. You know, uh, as, as, I'm, as I'm sure you know, and um, it, as I said, I mean, you know, we have to make sure that what we're doing at Mines as, as coaches of our respective programs, mm -hmm. we've got to make sure that we are also facilitating the players in getting the degree. Because yeah. progress towards the degree is number one. And, you know, um, our players are – the players we have now, as opposed to the players that we had in the very, very beginning – they are not hobbyists, and especially on the women's side, they want to be perfect at everything all the time, so they, they, they feel pressure. So we, we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, I'm obsessed with efficiency in training, whether it's an actual soccer training uh, or, um, or fitness itself. Mm -hmm. You know, if it doesn't – I learned this as coach. You know, I, I have teammates who swear that – we used to go on two-hour runs. It's not true. We used to go 21 minutes extremely fast, yeah. <laughs> extremely fast. And some of us got lost in the woods. Uh, our coach was a uh, highly ranked um, uh, cross-country runner himself, like in his later years. And, uh, and I mean, we, we, we used to just chase him around the woods, really. And, and it was never longer than 20, 21 minutes. It just felt like years because you were cooking it, yeah. you know. And, um, and, and so I, I'm obsessed with, with efficiency in all things. If we can do something – and make players better at it in 45 minutes. Let's do that rather than taking an hour and a half. And, and that sure. leaves them time for their studies. And, and, and I think that they, they appreciate that. And for anybody who wants a little bit extra or has a little bit more time, they can always get some extra training from us. So yeah. that's, uh, that's kind of what at minds that we're doing. We want to provide the very best training we can because we have very, very serious student athletes, you know, on, mm -hmm. on both sides of the coin, student and athlete. We want to make sure that we're giving them enough on the athletic side, but doing it and doing it in a way that pleases them and engages them, but allows them time to excel in the classroom as well. Yeah. That's awesome. And so since we've kind of covered the fitness and not because of not having the season this year, they, it does kind of open up more doors for, the athletes to learn about what other options they have for keeping themselves fit and keeping themselves just sane during these, these times yeah. um, with trying to figure out, Oh, they have a whole new study schedule and classes look different and everything they've known, all the routine they've built. Like you said, they plan everything. They've built these routines over the years to manage as student athletes. That's all been changed. Right. So right. opening the doors to, and their minds say like there's, you can do things differently and it's going to, be beneficial and that's something that I think everybody can take forward with them even once we get back to hopefully normalcy at some point yeah. um, but knowing what options they have so maybe one day they wake up and they don't feel great and like, there's nothing better than a hike or a nice run up the mountain um, when you don't feel like doing anything else or you can't find your like the motivation to go out and do sprints you can always do something like that that changes your scenery um, but yeah what does what does looking forward look like as far as no season this year, but what, what are the plans for like moving forward with recruiting and get seasons and all that? Oh, yeah. 
there's good questions because you know uh so division one in the ncaa has declared a quiet period through january 1st which means that coaches cannot go off campus and evaluate players uh they can have kids on campus and, and, and visit with them uh, i'm pretty sure but uh that's division one now division two and three we're still allowed to go and watch um kids but you know with COVID being what is this is these are all very I mean we got to be flexible here because I could plan a trip say to Phoenix to go and watch uh, an ECNL event in November but it could get canceled yeah um so and a lot of it depends on what other what is youth soccer doing uh do these parents and clubs want to spend money on going to Phoenix if the D1 coaches can't be there you know because yeah. that's a third of coaches there's still a lot of us out there still you know so we don't know what they're going to do in that regard so that makes it difficult in terms of recruiting but you know i've gone out recently and mm -hmm. uh the last three weekends and i'll go again this weekend because it's still legal legal I'll, uh, via you know as far as the ncaa is concerned but we've done everything else that d1 has done so far yeah so i i would imagine we'd follow suit but i hope not but you know i'll be out this weekend again watch uh local games yeah uh, excited to do that still doing that in terms of recruiting um the rocky mountain athletic conference for men's and women's soccer does have like a tentative plan for a championship next uh spring but mm -hmm. i i it, it's just um at least from my outlook i wouldn't change the way I normally do my spring which is a developmental time so regardless of whether the games are official unofficial because normally in the spring all, all we do is schedule images they're called exhibitions and we're allowed five dates on which to do that but we actually have the opportunity this spring to play far more but there's a lot of things to consider is the team we're playing against scheduled to play against testing because if they're not per the NCAA we cannot play them uh is there a is there a vaccine that's actually going to happen that quickly? Depends on who you're listening to. Yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah, uh, I am not going to be the first in line for that if it's out next week. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. And then <laughs> you're a doctor, you know more than I do, I'm sure. But and then uh, you know, there's just so many factors. What does your state say? You know, what is your so really any plans we make? I, I don't know. I, I, I disagree with making long-term plans right now. I think you just got to go day by day. And the most important thing we as coaches can do right now is try to recruit the kids that are interested in us, right, and be in contact with them um, to help our kids make progress towards their degrees, uh, try to keep them under control and make sure that they're not doing things that promote the spread of COVID-19 or really any other illness right now, right? Yeah. Uh, then, um, and you know, train them, make them better as soccer players, make it engaging, make it fun, and add routine to their lives. You know, even though it's gonna be a little bit different, add routine to their lives, try to keep a smile on that face, try to help them understand there's light at the end of the tunnel, but, the tunnel is probably going to be a little bit longer than what you guys, what any of us want. Um, yeah. I think really realistically speaking, I would say 
we're probably, I'm really hoping and, and hopeful, I feel confident or not maybe confident, but very hopeful that in 2021, we'll return to, you know, quote unquote, uh, standard operating procedure. Yeah. And do you think that this is going to kind of all around the country lead to more influx of homegrown players into college programs just because it's so much easier for coaches to see local clubs, local games and things like that. And everyone's going to be close for the next couple of years. There's going to be a ton of effects yeah. all across, all across the country that we're going to look back later and go, that was COVID caused. That was this, that was that, you know, like for sure, maybe more local players. Mm -hmm. um, but also bigger squads in colleges because like for, for example i have 31 players right now only three of them were seniors so the fall of 2021 i wasn't planning on bringing in more than two or three people anyway yeah um so and it's hard to turn people away there's so many good kids come through the door you know that they would work hard and all that but at a certain point you, you got to start deciding to yourself okay how many kids can i properly take care of you know, how many kids can I actually, because w whether we like it or not, we're surrogate parents. We, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we have to do more for our players than just kick their rear ends around a soccer field. You know, we have to do more. Um, and, and I, I, you know, honestly, I think across the board at School of Mines, and, you know, I'm going to plug here for my fellow coaches, but I think <laughs> we do a good job of that. I think we yeah. do. And, um, and therefore, uh, you, you know, you got to be careful about how big your squad gets. Um, so, but I do think, you know, four or five kids that I think are really, really good players want to be on the team because all 31 of my players are coming back next year because those kids, they get that blanket waiver that the NCAA is offering. And if they want to come back, I might have one that moves on and says, okay, well, what do I do here? 95,000 a year or go get yelled at by this maniac for for the fall no i think i'll just you know i think i'll move on i don't know she, she still has time to make that decision obviously but um but still uh, i don't want to go more than 35 so you know th there's decisions that this these are decisions that every college coach across the country will be yeah. having to make yeah. you know um and because people are coming back many of them are scholarship players that means you have less money to offer somebody coming in uh, and even though the NCAA is not going to hold, they're calling it COVID-related scholarship dollars. So we're all allowed X amount of of uh, equivalencies, right? Yeah. And you typically can't go over that. But if it's COVID-related, you can go over it. But see, but then does the school want to honor that? Or can the school honor that? And in many cases, and and. I think in ours, we would say to everyone, yeah, if you're coming back for that quote unquote COVID year, we are going to honor your scholarship, you know, even if it's just for one semester, but we can't do it. Yeah. It's not really feasible for a school like, like ours. We, we just don't have, I don't think, you know, personally the money uh, to do that. Would we want to? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So everyone has the problem. You know, everybody has this problem. I mean, yeah. your, your major D1s, you know, your big dogs, they don't have this problem because yeah. the money's there. Uh, but, um, yeah, there's <laughs> – big dogs eat first. But, uh, yeah, 
th th that's another issue. Uh, and there's so many things that are just, we're going to look back on and go, oh, this was a good thing that came out of that. This was a bad yeah. thing that came out of that, you know? Uh, but, you know, beyond obviously the, you know, uh, people losing family members and, and, and people having long lasting effects from this, um, which, you know, uh, really for younger people, especially asymptomatic is, is, is a concern for us, um, mm -hmm. for sure. And we're, we're really at minds. We're really, we're training with masks on, um, okay. we're, we're, we're cleaning, we're sanitizing slash cleaning things uh, quite a bit. Um, and, and, and being, I would say overly careful and exaggerating mm -hmm. our care. And to be fair, um, we're testing all on-campus kids and all student-athletes every two weeks, and our positives have gone down. Um, so we're, we're doing a really good job, not just in athletics, but across the board at the school. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and then when there are flare-ups, we, you know, we, we have a test for how that's handled. And um, it, it's going pretty well in – another victory would be to get through the semester. Yeah. Awesome. So to end on kind of high note here, what are some of the positives you think are going to come from this experience um, mm. as a college program and also for the individual athletes? I think that they're learning and really, really, really simple. And this does not take a genius to see, or to understand why it's happening, but they're so much more appreciative of being able to train. Yeah. Um, and, and because it was taken away from, you know, uh, for a long time and, and uh, they are, they, they want, I'm seeing kids who, you know, they want to train a little bit longer. Why do we only train that long? You know, or, They'll come up to me and say, hey, how, how come we can't play this game? How come we can't do this? And at first, we were really avoiding contact for the first two or three weeks, you know. Yeah. And so they were getting and – and I kind of like that they're getting assertive and a little bit aggressive. And they come up, up to me and go, when are we going to play? You're driving me crazy with this stuff we're doing, you know. Because, you know, the passing patterns after a little while, you know, at some point, you know, I want to play. Um, so yeah. – you know, we're gradually easing into into contact, and they're so much more excited, uh, to, you know, to to have that opportunity. And I think that they're just more appreciative all around, and they and, and, and things that maybe used to bug them or they roll their eyes about or something like that. They're not they're not really doing that anymore. Um, and you know, for me personally, when we finally started training, beginning of September, mm -hmm. when I got the team out and we were actually on the field and I was starting to do stuff with them. I was so absurdly happy that, I mean, it was, I was like, man, I was that happy. And, and I went home, you know, I have a, a my daughter, Molly is a, a senior in high school at, at golden high school. And she, she looked at me, she goes, you're like giddy. She goes, you're acting <laughs> like a, I said, you're acting like, you know, like a teenage girl right now. And, uh, <laughs> and I realized, and I, and I realized it was just because I got the chance to, to be out there. And it's helped me realize more important to me than, than winning or, or even playing games is just being able to be out 
on the field with the team. And one of the things I know that no matter how crappy my day has been, when I go out on the field and we get going, yeah. I'm, I'm, I always feel better. I always feel better. And that's what the job does for me. And I don't, um, yeah, I'll never, I'll never underestimate that again. So, you know, um, and I kind of knew I'd feel that way, but still to have it kind of slapped in the face like that is, is huge. And I think that the players themselves are getting some wisdom from it too. And, you know, one of the things that they're having to do is really, um, cause they want to socialize, but they're really having to kind of stay away from other people, even within yeah. their households or, you know, they kind of have to stay away from one another unless they're outside. And so, they're appreciating the time they have together. And, and I think in, in many ways, if you do it right, you can strengthen your team, not just on the field, but, you know, in terms of, you know, just being strong and being disciplined and look, we're losing some things, but what, have we really lost anything? You know, I don't think any of my players have lost a family member. Um, I know one of them has lost a very close family friend to COVID, but, um, have we really, so you can't play soccer this fall, you know, if, if that's yeah. what the country needs. And, you know, we talked about, you know, they're, they're learning connectivity too, aren't they? You know, really, because we're, I mean, we're responsible for, you know, my neighbors over there, we're, I'm responsible for that neighbor for a little bit, you know? Um, yeah. uh, so I gotta, you know, I, I gotta make sure that I'm doing the right things and the players, they get that too. So yeah, well, great. Yeah, I th- a lot of wisdom all around. Sorry, long answer. No, no, that's, that's I mean that's perfect. Um, so how can people follow y'all season and follow along with kind of the progression that your program's going through? Well, if you, I, um, we have a, a great uh, our our sports information directors at at, at School of Mines, uh, Tim Flynn and Sam Boonder, um they are, uh, Tim is doing a podcast. I was actually on one yesterday. So this is two days in a row with a podcast. <laughs> so I'm feeling very pop, you know, popular, There you go. but anyway, um, Tim's doing a podcast and, and, and they're, they're going out and taking pictures of the team and they're, you know, they're, um, you know, they're updating the news every day. So the athletics website, you know, um, it's just, um, csmathletics.com or you can just go to minds.edu and and you can find uh the athletics website from there that's going to cover what news we do have yeah um week in and week out and they're coming out taking pictures of training and stuff like that uh, i hope to be able to set up at least for my parents on the team you know a streaming platform so they can watch you know the practice um yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's mostly just online type of deal, you know? All right. Perfect. But the information will be there. Awesome. Well, hey, Kevin, I appreciate you coming on uh, and chat with me today a little bit about the program and women's soccer in general and the wisdom everyone's gaining from this and kind of these very, very odd times. But uh, it was great talking to you today. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And if anybody has any questions for me, about Kevin or their program or ways that they can get in touch and um, with them or anything like that, you know how to find me. You can shoot me a text or email. Uh, My number is all over my website, uh, but again, it's 303-2410-314 or email me at info at odysseyperformancept.com. 
And until next time, everybody.